Welcome to the World Impact Ministries Sermon of the Week with today's message by Pastor David Rayfeld. You know, last week we were talking just about, you know, discipleship. My wife had kind of explained just, you know, remember the illustration of, of people are coming to the Lord faster than, than many of us are actually in a place of, of discipling. And, and the Lord, again, he just said, you know, he said, David, there's another element of this. And over the last, I don't know, three and a half months or so, the men, um, the men's group, we've been studying out Romans, Roman, the book of Romans. And it's been a powerful time. Men, if you haven't been a part of this yet, come on, you need to, you need to come. I think the men that, that are in this room that are, are, are there on a weekly basis can attest that there is, some, there is some life being spoken in this time. And there's times, you know, you may not even, you may not even utter a word into the group and just be a, a, a place where you're just receiving. Because I think this word even today was, was a, a start in 2009. So much of what you're seeing even today is a product of this particular word in 2009. And so this was, this was at a time I was, I was fumbling through some things in my own life. Um, you know, I had started a business about five or six years earlier, and, and I, we've, we've shared this story so many times, but I think there's, a, there's this piece that, that I need to convey. Um, because, you know, what ended up happening in this time is, is there was something in me that still wanted, it's not like I wanted the world, because I had, I had a heart for God. But, you know, they see this place of temptation. And, and you could be tempted by money. You can be tempted by, by things and toys and drugs or sex or whatever it ends up being. Right? There's always that little bit that will keep you kind of at, at the edge. And I'm still talking about discipleship now. Because this place of discipleship, of becoming a Christ imitator, has a, has a starting point. And I think sometimes we can come into the church or we've been in church all of our life and we just normally assume that this is the way it's going to be because it's how I was born. It's how I was raised. But do you know, there's a personal decision in every single one of us to actually become a disciple. Do you understand that? And, and so in 2009, and you know, honestly, I was, I, was looking, I was looking for something last night and, and honestly... Every time we have a showing in our house, my wife just takes all the stuff I have on my side, on my night table, and she just shoves it underneath the bed. And so our little, our little rover, our little, our little iRobot that we have that vacuums our house every day got caught up in some stuff there last week, and it was pulling. All, well, all I saw was just a trail of puzzle pieces going down the hallway, and it had sucked up this puzzle, this, half, you know, this half-made puzzle. Anyway, and so I was looking for something, and I had a bunch of journals that I had written in over, I don't know, the past, obviously, 10 years. And I came across this, and I want to read this, because it's, it's where I want to go today. And, and see, there's this, this, this place of, of personal conviction that, you know, even though I wasn't doing it right all the time, my heart was for the Lord. You know, I, even though my name is David, I feel like David in the Bible, where, where you know, all the stuff that I, that I used to mess up and my thought process wasn't right, my heart was still for him. Do you get me? And so this is the word that he, that he spoke to me. He said, I have promised the harvest. It's already done. Continue to, pr- to, to prepare the soil in people's lives and your own personal life for them to be radically changed. The Lord will pour out an anointing that we have yet to see, one that the church is unfamiliar with. Ready yourself. Be about the Father's business. 
Our increasing knowledge of the word will be what keeps the enemy at bay. Do you get that? Our increasing knowledge of the word will be what keeps the enemy at bay. Then he says, do not stop fighting. See, I, I had shared this a few weeks ago. When we get to a point where we just get tired, we get tired in our life, we get tired in our marriage, we get tired in circumstances, and we, in, in a place of fighting, we put our hands down, right? And the enemy sees. He doesn't know our thoughts. He just reads our body language. And he, and he reads the places and the thought patterns of the glance or the turning, right? That's, that's where the, and so when he sees our hands go down, he's like, I got him. And he says, yoo-hoo, I'm calling you. Do not stop fighting. The ground is being recovered. You will take back real estate that the enemy has stolen. Wealth and riches are in this house. And he actually, he had a paraphrase for me. He said, not the riches the world knows. He said, my riches, my riches, true riches. He said, keep your life right. This is just the beginning to miracle signs and wonders that Milwaukee has ever seen. And I just say, Father, we pull it down. And see, this is a time before, I think, even we weren't, when we were in ministry, but we really weren't walking in a place of leadership to a, a full extent. And I think even the whole things of miracle signs and wonders, I mean, yeah, we, we had it, but it, you know, it, wasn't, it wasn't a part of the ministry we were, we were doing at the time. And so, you know, you have to understand, this was a personal war. When I was going through and I was seeking confirmation in all these other things, I was seeking confirmation in business and where I was and struggles in my mind. And, he, and in the middle of all this, I was looking for those answers and he gives me his heart for the church. He gives me his heart for the church in the middle of me wanting to know things on the outside. Is this, is this making sense? See, you know, it says in Matthew 6, he says, seek me first. Right? Seek my kingdom first and my righteousness. And what does it say? And all these things will be added unto you. See, he said, he said, David, you have the wisdom. He said, I am giving you the wisdom. He said, but there's things in you that you're seeking and you're looking for the world that you're not finding. You're not searching for it in me. And see, I believe that, that the greatest, the most, the biggest questions even to business are when we find and unlock the treasures in people. He said, take care, find the things in other people, and I'm going to take care of you. Amen? And so this, you know, it wasn't this, you know, I'm sending you out as a pastor thing, because at that time, honestly, pastoring was, it wasn't even on the horizon, let alone even remotely close to what we were doing, because that was, that's never been, that's never been the thing. But he said, David, as a son, he said, as a son, I'm calling you to enjoy the fruits of my inheritance, Get this, you are a child of the king. Every single one of you is a child of the king. And if you're a child of the king, that means your inheritance is of royalty. See, I, I think even this morning, there was, I, 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 felt this, I felt this pull and this tug that sometimes the significance, are we, do, we, do we feel significant? Is what's in me, do I measure up? Does anybody have that question? Do I measure up? And say, you know, he, he didn't call me into the ministry. 
I don't know if I ever heard that. I, never, I don't think I ever heard him say, David, I'm calling you to be the pastor. See, what he did do is he called me into being a son. He called me into this place of sonship. And see, when you're called into a place of intimacy with him, and see, this is where a lot of people miss. They, they miss this aspect. Because, you know, I lost my father a few years ago, but there were times I could, I could sit next to my dad and we would talk about work or we'd talk about golf or we would talk about, you know, because my dad was in World War II. He was, he was older and actually he was... They immigrated from Germany in 1961, so he, he fought for the Germans when he was a 16-year-old kid. He was drafted as a 16-year-old kid. And so, you know, we would talk about the war and we you know, would talk about these things and, and, and the life that he had. See, there were aspects of my father I would never have known had I not asked him. And see, there's aspects of the father that you will never know until you actually sit close to him. Right, because we all are called to be sons and daughters. See, that place of sonship is a place of intimacy. Right, because in, in, fact, in fact, what Wayne had shared, this, this, this fits perfectly. And see, because you had the prodigal son, right, but there were two sons. There was, there was a son who said, you know what, Father, give me everything. I know what's mine. I know what you're worth. Give me so I can go. And then there was a son who just did because he knew his place. He knew his position. I think sometimes we, we get the whole, the, you know, the, the place of, okay, are we entitled to it? Is it something we're entitled to? Or is it an honor to be in service of our Father? Ah, thank you, Jesus. And see, you know, this, this place of discipleship, and my wife, she, you know, she nailed it this um, last week when she just gave us this picture of, you know, of discipleship being hanging on to Jesus. Hanging on to Jesus. We hang on to Jesus with everything we have. And when we can hang on to him, we just grab somebody else's hand. We just grab somebody else's hand and take him with us. And, and see, but this hanging on to Jesus with all we can can be, and I'll be real honest, can be, can be a struggle personally, can it not? And so, you know, I use this story just of, of this kind of this, 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 this coming to Jesus moment in my own life because it, this word preceded an unraveling in my life. It, 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 it was an unraveling financially, it was an unraveling emotionally, it was an unraveling spiritually. Why would the Lord give me his word for, his, for the, the heart for his people in his church when he's beginning to unravel my life? See, if he would have offered the answers to the prayers of bless me financially, take care of my business, my life would have just gone on that path and everything would have been great until the unraveling truly came. You know, and, I, and I've, I've shared the story. I'm not going to use your... Actually, Okay, who, who, except, there's, except there's nothing in it. <laughs> oh, come on, i got to put something in it. Um, who, who, wasn't, who wasn't here last time I, I showed this? Um, it's paper, honey. 
I want something of value, something of significance. Okay, this is good, this is good, this is good. Excellent, keys. Keys to the kingdom. And so, this wasn't a part of my notes, but I'm going to share it anyway. Because it was in this time where, in fact, he showed me this bag. It was sitting, it was actually sitting on a chair kind of like that. And it was in a moment he said, David, this is your life. This is your life. And he said, there's things inside of your life that are not of me. He said, I'm giving you the opportunity to go in and begin to remove the things that are not of me and deal with them. I'd lay them at the altar. I'd lay them at the altar. I go, Lord, no, David, there's, there's still things that are not of me in there. See, I was hanging on pride. We talked about this word self-preservation, which I didn't even know was a word until about two years later. And he said, he said self-preservation and pride has caused you to not deal with what's in your life. And he said, David, he said, I love you to the greatest extent. He said, but I have, I have no issues dumping your life out onto the ground for the, whole, for the whole world to see. He said, that's the place of greatest pain, of greatest heartache. But if it causes me to restore you back to the place that I want you, I have no problem doing this. And see, I, I believe with all my heart that this place of discipleship and this place of getting, getting real, you see, he, he made me go down to the deepest parts of who I was, to the foundations of who I was. And see, you know, I don't, I don't live there. I don't live introspectively looking into my life. Because I know the work that was done was done and it was done complete. But he said, you know, when you go in there, he said, what are you seeing? And, you know, and what I found, Jesus was down there. And he was down there with the free me. You get that. He was down there with the free me. See, I would never have encountered the free me had I not been willing to go to a place. And see, I just see this. Because if, if we're going to get into a place, you know, when my wife said the harvest is coming in a, in a season of great fruitfulness. See, it's not just people coming into the kingdom. It's that too. But I believe there's a place in us that we have to stop playing church and be the church. And so we, we come through this, we came through this time And trust me, it was, it was the hardest thing I'd ever have to do. But see, what the Lord wants to do is he wants to show you who he is. I mean, he cares about you. And see, it was at this place, it was at, it was at, a, it was at the place of being, of being free. See, this is what freedom looks like. Come on. This is what freedom looks like. What? It's empty. I mean, our mind needs to be filled, right? But there's no skeletons in the closet. Come on. 
I need some, I need some water. Is there a bottle of water somewhere? Um, and so, oh man, that's totally not where I was going to go. Um, because it is this hanging on to Jesus with everything we got. Come on, we need to hang on to Jesus. And what does that look like? What does that mean to you? Oh, thank you, sir. Look at that. I got two. I got a double fist. Go ahead, take one. I'm good. I'm good. I don't need it. You do. All right. I'm actually getting to some scripture here in just a, a second. Ooh. Um, it says, uh, we're going to go to Jeremiah 18 real quick, but... Um, See, in this whole, this whole place of, of seeking wisdom, because in this place of shaping and molding, and, and Kelsey, you had mentioned this, this place of process, and I'm going to get to this process in just a second, because this, this place of, of being submitted to the process, see, I believe many of us, some of us have come through a dynamic season of being formed and molded where the Lord's saying, okay, this is the work I'm doing in you. And it was, it was hard. He was chiseling things off your life. And he has created a new you. And you are now, you're now the, the fruit of that, of that period. Can any, any of you agree? And so in Jeremiah 18, actually, go ahead and put that scripture up. I don't think I necessarily gave that one to you. Um, Because as, as Jeremiah looked, as he looked up, and the Lord had said, I want you to go down to the potter's house. Yeah. Next. I think it's in three, isn't it? Or two? Yep. So then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he was working at the wheel. And the vessel that he was making from clay was spoiled. I love that word. In the hand of the potter. So he made it over, reworking it into another vessel as it seemed good to make it to the, uh, to seem good to the potter to make it. And see, I, I believe this is the place in this word that we're going to talk about is salvation. See, the potter is who? Potter is the creator. It's, it's the Lord. It's the one who sees our life. See, in that period of time, the Lord was, he was taking me through this process where he said, you know, I've created you, but there's some things that have been marred in you. And he said, I'm going to create and make you into another. But it says, as it seemed good to the potter to make it. See, I think we miss that. Sometimes we think, okay, I'm going to be made into something that I want to be. You know, I'm, I'm just going to create my own life in this setting, and this is good for me. As it seemed good to the potter to make it. See, we're in the, if we're going to put our hands into a place of being discipled, we need to know that as this place of discipleship happens, happens, that he is going to mold and form and create us how he wants us to be. And see, there's times when we screw up. There's times that we wander. There's times that our life becomes marred. It becomes spoiled. I just see the Lord saying, that's okay. I'll just create you into something else. 
See, it's the same clay. He, he doesn't throw the clay away and pull something else onto the wheel. And so last night, I'm, I'm actually sitting in bed, and I don't know, you were sleeping, but I was watching YouTube videos. I was watching YouTube videos of, of people just making clay pots. You, know, you, can, you can find there's like a 1.9 million views on this thing. And it was, it was so soothing, but what I was watching was the hands that are coming in, and they literally have to find, right, they've got to find the center, and once they have that thing perfectly in the middle of the, what do they call that round thing? The wheel. There's the potter's wheel, but I thought there was a name for, a name for that plate anyway. And what they, what they do is they can stick a finger right down the middle of it. See, the Lord stuck his finger on my life. He stuck a finger down the center of my life and he said, David, I am creating something out of you. I am pulling up out of you what I want to see. And see, when we look at that clay and that clay begins to be formed, it can be made into anything. And so there were cups being made, there were vases being made, there were plates being made. There were, you know, it was, it was to the, as it seemed good, to the potter. See, we're clay in the potter's hands. And if, and if we don't understand, if, we, you know, if we're not going to get a place of discipleship, we have to understand that we, our lives are being formed by the potter. And see, that helps. That helped me. I don't know about you, but that, that helped me. See, God uses the mistakes of our life. Yeah, come on. God uses the mistakes of our life and reforms them and create something completely different. And so that is salvation. See, when my life was a wreck, and I came to the word, and this word in Greek is called soterios, or soteria, which means salvation. See, get this. We're going to leave it up there just for a second. And the vessel that, w- that he was making from clay was spoiled in the hand of the potter. See, that spoiled clay was marred from sin. It was marred from destruction. It was, it was marred from having faulty foundations, right? If that, if that clay is not centered, right? If our lives are not centered, we're going to start, right? We're going to start to wobble. So he made it over. Soterios is not just salvation as an act or even a process, the meaning of this word in Greek is a clothing or a putting on or actually even an, an embalming process. See, it is, a, it is part where he's actually injecting himself into us. He is clothing himself on us. See, so when we come to the Lord, it is not just we come to the Lord and we say a prayer at the altar and we turn around and we go away. See, even in this process, there is something that happens. We are exchanging our spoiled clay for his perfection. Amen. Because salvation is active. Hebrews 4, 12, and 13. You ready? Okay. I love this version. We talk, um, Hebrews 4. 12 and 13. Let me just read this. Uh, Hebrews 4, 12 and 13, out of the Amplified. It says, For the word of God is living and active, 
and full of power. For the word for the word God that speaks is alive and full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. Do you know when he puts you on the potter's wheel and he begins to form you, he is energizing you and putting you and making you an effective vessel. Do you, do you see the, the parallel? It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of life, which is the soul and the immortal spirit, and of joints and of marrow, of the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and sifting and analyzing and judging the very thoughts and purposes of the heart. And this is, this is the verse that can kind of come up and hit you right between the eyes. And not a creature exists that is concealed from his sight. But all things are open and exposed, naked and defenseless to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. See, discipleship starts at a place of brutal honesty. Open and exposed, naked and defenseless. See, when the Lord was doing this work in me, he was removing defenses. He was exposing me and creating me to be naked before him. He sees our life anyway. He knows what's inside of our life. He gives us the opportunity to expose them to him when we act obediently. And not a creature exists that is concealed from his sight. See, he knows. He knows your stuff. And so when we become brutally real with him, I believe it is this time where winter, see, I, I, and that, I don't know, because I mean, when, I, when I shared that this morning, and, and, and Kelsey just, she used that so beautifully. See, I, I'm sick of winter, personally. It's only been going on for two months. I'm sick of it already. But you know, scripturally and biblically, there's a reason for winter. And, and there's, a, there's a reason why we go through winter. See, there's places in us that have to be exposed. There's things in us that have to be revealed. I'm not saying to public. He doesn't, he doesn't want to go there. He will, but he doesn't want to go there. He's just saying, David, I want all of you. I want every part of you. I want to show you things that you don't even realize. But see, there's the stuff in our lives that just get clouded. And he said, I'm going to open and expose and create this place in you. And see, not, that's not a place of weakness. It's not a place of weakness. It's a place of incredible strength. Because if, if we can walk in the truth that God sees everything anyway, and there's no skeletons in my closet, and he has freed me from every addiction, from everything that 
would have clouded my mind or my heart or things that I trusted in that he said, you can't take that with you anyway? Then we become, we become real. Come on up, honey. Actually, let me just share one thing. Stay up here. So I, was, I said I was going to talk about this process. See, this, this, this process of being remade, just as, as we're, we're on, the, on the wheel being formed, see, it's, it's on a time clock that we have no control of. You know, people go, well, how long is this going to take? I don't know. But the process needs to happen. See, the process to go from fall to spring, of when the leaves start to shed, going through a place of, you know, of here, unbelievable cold and what would seemingly be, right, it's, it's death, to get to the place of new growth is a process. In Wisconsin, it could be six months, it could be six weeks, right? We don't, we don't know. See, this process is on a time clock that we can't measure. It is not what we think it will ever be. Because it's not based, it's not based on us. See, this process must be completed to the fullest extent. Because if we try cutting out of this process early, it's kind of like having to go back to go in Monopoly. You go all the way around can't collect 200 bucks, you just start the whole process over again. Do you hear me? Or you go to jail, that too. But what comes out of it is a hunger because he, he puts, and I, and I just know this from my own experience, he puts such a hunger and a passion in you to set other people free because he's got you in a place where he can trust you. Amen? Come on. You all are afraid I'm going to come up here and teach another message, and I'm no. not. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. You guys, you can click. Yeah. That, that's something to cheer about. I'm, I'm, a, I'm just going to wrap it up. I'm not going to do any teaching today. We didn't need to co-teach. He had it all. But I'm going to share with you the, the flip side, the, the three-minute flip side to the story. And if you've been in our church for a while, you've heard some of this. See, we were a mess when we came to Christ. We were an absolute mess when we got married. 25 years ago, no one in their right mind would have given us a shot at making it. Not only in marriage, but definitely we would have been voted the least likely to ever pastor a church. I promise you. The pastor that married us, he did it by faith, knowing he was taking a big gamble. They knew our history. It's funny now, but it is the absolute truth. But this is the deal. We were new in the Lord. We knew that he, we loved him. We were still very shaky in our walk, but we got a hold of the word of God, and the word of God began to reshape our life. Now, in me, the Lord did a quick work, and, and, and David walked with me the whole time. It was, it was a horrific past that I came out of. There was a lot that I, came, that, I, that I came out of, a lot of darkness. And so fast forward, you know, 12 years into our marriage, when when the period started that David is talking about, it was incredibly painful for him, but it was also incredibly painful for me because I'm the, I'm the one that God shook the bag out in front of. See, there were things that I had no idea. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm so glad I did not run from that potter's wheel when God put you on there because I love the finished product. I'm telling you. But I remember the day 
because it marked me. When God shook that bag, because it happened in a moment where God took that bag from David and shook it out in front of his wife. And I had just gotten back from a trip up north to visit my parents, and David had had to stay here because he, he was on a number of jobs that, that needed his attention. And I'd gone to visit my parents for a week, and I had just pulled back in the driveway and had only been home for a couple of hours. Everything was still in the van packed up. The boys were younger. This was a while ago. And the Lord shook that bag out in front of me in a moment, and I confronted my husband. And I just remember both of our worlds as we stood there in that kitchen began to fall apart. And I looked at my husband and I said, you know what? I'm packing the kids back up and I'm heading back to my parents' house and I will be back when you get your mess cleaned up. Those are my words. See, discipleship is costly. It's just not costly for you. The brutal honesty, that is the beginning. He, he nailed it. David, you nailed this. If you are not willing to be brutally honest with God, do not expect to walk in deep discipleship with the Father. He is not a pretender. He is not a pretender. And this is not a judgmental statement. I'm telling you, you have nothing to fear from a God who loved you so much that he sent his son to the cross to die for every bit of sin that you would ever engage in. So I'm telling you, there are some in this room where pornography is destroying your life. And you think that the father doesn't want to talk to you because that pornography has gotten such a grip. You can't stay off your phone. And I am not angry, but I am done with the enemy lying to the church. And he's telling you, you have a father who will reject you because you're too far gone. If you enjoy being lied to, you keep listening to the enemy. He is lying to you. Your father loves you. In the middle of your mess, he wants to redeem you. There is nothing you can do that, he will, co- that will cause him to run the other way. Nothing. Arise, my love, my beautiful one. When you said that he shook that bag out because you found the free you in the bottom of it, there is a free you that is waiting. But it takes brutal honesty before the Father. I don't care if you tell a soul, you need to go to the Father first. It's not about coming to us, and it is not about going to the person beside you, your husband or your wife. I'm telling you, get brutally honest before the Father, and that work of discipleship, the true work and freedom of the Holy Spirit will begin in your life. So God shook his stuff out in front of me. And I threatened to leave, never divorce. But I was like, I just, I was too tired. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to my mom and dad. And so David left the house in tears, went for a long walk. And I sat down at the kitchen table which because I'm a woman of the word of God and the Bible is always open in my house and most often the first resource for me, I sat down at the table. I was not looking for the Bible. At that moment, I wanted to shut the Bible, turn my worship music off and run because I was angry. And I sat down at the table and you know how the Holy Spirit sets you up. My Bible was open. It was the New Living Translation because it's the only one that reads this way. And it was open to Galatians 6. So I sat down as he left the house. Galatians. Galatians 6. 
And this is what it says in Galatians 6 in the New Testament. I sat down full of anger, ready to leave, ready to drive out the driveway, pack up my kids and go. And what does it say here? I looked down, not wanting the word of God, not wanting change, feeling justified in my anger. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly, should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. But this is where he nailed me. If you think you are too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You are not that important. So... See, you saw the verse that clocked David between the eyes. Well, this one clocked me between the eyes and made me realize that as a disciple of Jesus Christ, I don't get to separate from someone else because they're struggling. I get to come right smack dab into the center of their life and cheer them on in weakness. And I get to be a part of the frailty that they're experiencing. But I also get to enjoy the fruit of complete healing. So any of us, if we leave the discipleship process too soon, whether it's in our life or the life of someone else, we will miss out on the fruit of righteousness that comes by bearing each other's burdens and walking with one another in sin and through sin and out of sin. That's discipleship. It's nothing to be afraid of. But I'm telling you, it's serious stuff. In discipleship, he's going to teach you to fight for one another and not against one another. That's what we are about here. For more information about this or other media resources, please visit our website at world-impactministries.com. Thanks for listening to this Sermon of the Week. Our prayer is that you are encouraged and strengthened by this message. Mm-hmm.